I'm Michelle Sims, and this is the Beauty in the Mess, a community where people who crave a shift in mindset, personal growth, and connection to like-minded people come together to start rewriting their stories. Through engaging, honest, and insightful conversations, the show will help you embrace the mess to recognize the meanings and the lessons it holds and discover its hidden treasures to help you start making a mindset shift. Let's listen, learn, and reclaim who we were meant to be. Hi, friend. Welcome to the Beauty in the Mess. In this episode, I get to welcome Rita Tattersall back to the show. If you've been following along with my journey so far, maybe you'll remember that Rita was my first actual guest on the Beauty in the Mess. If you want to hear Rita's personal story, please refer back to episode three. Rita's journey is unique as she struggled with substance use disorder herself, and now she uses her experience to help others who are facing the same problems she faced or similar problems. She also counsels couples and helps people find and live their God-given purpose, among many other things. And before we get going today, I just want to say if you're listening by chance with children, little ears nearby, there is an F-bomb early in this episode. I left it in because it's funny. I just want to let you know that it is there. With that being said, in this episode, we focus on behavioral change and the additional ingredients necessary for long-term change as well. We also talk about how change doesn't have to be an all or nothing thing. And sometimes the worst thing you can do is have a scarcity mindset. Learn to add new things to your life and not focus on what you're trying to remove from your life. Hi, I'm Michelle Sims, your host. I'm just a regular person who, along with my family, have had our share of messes that we too have had to overcome. Along the way, I got curious as to how others get through their messes, even triumph over them. Maybe there's a better way, a faster way. Maybe we can accelerate our journeys by learning from someone else. That started my pursuit. I think we can all learn from each other through the sharing of our experiences, lessons, and knowledge. So join me for episode 36 of The Beauty and the Mess called Navigating Behavioral Change with Rita Tattersall. Rita is a licensed addiction and mental health counselor who is also trained as an EMDR therapist. She has a master's degree in clinical addictions She is also a Christian who believes in the power of prayer, scripture, and worship and incorporates all of those into her practice. By the way, Rita and I are thinking of having her come on regularly for episodes that we would call Ask the Therapist, where you guys can call in or write in and leave questions that you would love to have Rita answer, and Rita and I will discuss the issue as well. We would love to know if this would interest you, so please PM me or drop a comment on the post for this episode. We would greatly appreciate your feedback. So without further ado, let's dive right into today's conversation. Hi, Rita. Welcome back to the Beauty and the Mess. Thank you so much for having me again. Oh, yeah. We're excited to have you back. And I just want to remind our guests, or I'm sorry, remind our listeners that if they want to hear about your personal journey of overcoming addiction and how you help others overcome substance use disorders now, that they can refer back to actually episode three of the Beauty and the Mess. So it's pretty cool to have you back after this amount of time. So thank you for joining us. Yeah, absolutely. So today, I think we want to talk about behavior change. And because it seems like an easy thing, but yet it's very hard for a lot of us. So I just wanted to get your input on like, how do we even get started in making permanent changes in our lives and how do we maintain those changes once, once we get them going? Well, I think it can all kind of just go back to the basics of, oh gosh, I got something that I need to change. Right. 
right? I, I used to do this analogy whenever we would go through what we call the stages of change. It was Gorski who kind of coined that phrase in the addiction world, Terrence Gorski. And he described, and other people have done this too in different ways, but the stages of change of pre-contemplation, contemplation, preparation, action, and then maintenance, which I think most people all want to get to, right? It's that ongoing, this is just little tweaks here and there, but the stages of change really helps me as a provider or as a parent or as a friend who has people who want to make changes or as a wife whose husband wants to make changes or whatever, understand where they're at in their journey. And it gives you an ability to kind of come in alongside without nagging or saying things like, oh, they're never going to change or any of that. But I used to talk about in, in relation to change of like a diet, right? But first you get your pants out of the dryer and they're a little tight and you're like, oh, well, it's probably just the dryer. These pants have shrunk up. And then the next time you put them on and you're like, and, and then eventually you're like, okay, I don't think it's the dryer anymore. I think my pants too, are too small. And that pre-contemplation is what we like to refer to as that denial state. There's no problem. I don't have a problem. Maybe some other people are noticing being like, everything's not up where it used to be or something like that. <laughs> but you're still in denial. You're like, no, I feel good. I feel fine. Everything's fine, right? We love that word fine, which someday I'll tell you what that analogy stands for. But it's a cuss word, so I don't know. Uh-huh. Do you want to hear it? Do you want to? Sure. And you can not use this word. I mean, it's kind of an offensive word to some people, not so much anymore. But so it stands for fucked up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional, right? <laughs> but so anytime I hear my clients say fine or or I say fine, I I just make this mental thing and say, okay, am I? And then it's like, yeah, I, I kind of am effed up, insecure, neurotic, and emotional right now, right? or I'll kind of grin at my client or something and they'll kind of grin back and be like yes I'm definitely fine right now and we we just have that kind of banter back and forth but that pre-contemplation is that denial phase I don't have a problem and then we go into that contemplation where then we're starting to question wait a minute these pants were loose last year my dryer did not shrink these maybe there's a problem So then we start to prepare, right? And so then we're like, well, I'll cut out sugar. I'll cut out white flour. We'll do all the fad diets. Maybe I'll do that intermittent fasting thing that they talk about. Maybe I'll go on the the caffeine diet or or maybe I go join the gym or maybe I go to the gym that I joined 10 years ago (laughs) for the first time in 10 years, something. But we start to prepare and then we start to take action. Now I'm doing this thing. Now I'm going to the gym. Now I'm eating more broccoli. I'm watching what I'm putting in my body. I'm not having ice cream every night. I'm preparing. And then we move into that, uh, or we're we're in action stage, sorry. And then we move into that maintenance. That's when everything's kind of going good, right? And then you say, okay, but, but why is it that we don't just stay there, right? Right. Why don't we just keep, doing what we know works, what we know makes us feel better, what we know, well, because those, those old habits really kind of pop back in really fast. Right. Right. 
So that's kind of where we can dive in from there. What is this behavior modification or behavior change, long-term sustaining things that we can do? So what happens for me personally, I know right now, I know what I need to do, but I just don't do it. So I'm not even to the point of taking action on certain things Mm -hmm. when I know I need to. And so what is that resistance and how do we get past something like that? Well, I think you can answer that question better than I can, right? What is the resistance? What, What is stopping us? Isn't the big overarching thing fear, fear of failure, fear of what if I do this one more thing and it doesn't work, Right. fear of losing out or missing out on something. I mean, a lot of times with addictions or diets or whatever, a lot of times people are like, well, what am I going to do if I don't eat cake every night? I can't afford to eat cake every night, but I could afford to give it up completely. And mine is, it's an inflammation problem. So I do want to get rid of sugar, but I do think it is an addiction to be honest. And I think the more I try to separate. Sugar is one of the most addictive drugs out there. I, I think it is. Yeah. Yeah. It completely suppresses our leptin hormone which is our satiety hormone. And it's our processed sugars. Like if you get sugar in the raw, I don't think it's as bad, but it's the processing that they put into everything, the high fructose corn syrup and, and stuff like, and the other things that you can't pronounce that reduces that, that leptin hormone in our brain that says, wait a minute, you're full. You don't need any more. And also it, it, tends to make you crave more exactly because the more I try to move away from it the more I'm thinking about it mm-hmm. and it drives me crazy it, it does and so I'm, I'm glad you're an addiction expert or a substance use disorder expert right because yeah. that's in my case I think that's exactly what it is and a lot of people that that struggle with sugar and white flour and all, all that stuff mm-hmm. right right it's an addiction so how do you break that addiction yeah to get past it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it definitely is a mindset shift, right? Because what is it that we hear a lot of times? Oh, if I eat a cookie, I'm going to eat the whole bag. Right. Oh, if I, if I, and so, and for some of us, yes, we have to, we have to completely stop all of it. I, I mean, it just, it, it opens up that those, those pathways in our brain that starts to say, oh, the more you give me, the more I want. But for a lot of people, they, they can partake in a little and be okay with it. But I always recommend like almost not taking things away, but adding things to, right? So instead of saying, I can't drink Coke anymore, right? Maybe say, okay, I'm going to replace. So let's say you drink a six pack of Coke every day. I I don't know. That seems like a probably what people drink. Right. And they're like, okay, I'm going to replace five whenever I would normally go grab a Coke out of the refrigerator or Pepsi or what even Diet Coke, whatever. And I'm going to replace that with water. Right. Right. I'm going to add this too, instead of taking away. Cause it just, it, it just flips in our mind that this isn't deprivation. This is actually more and it's actually 
better. I'm choosing the better for my health, for my family, for my inflammation, for my fill in the blank. And then I, I tell people, I like, add a couple servings of broccoli to your dinner. <laughs> I love broccoli. I crave it for some reason. Yeah. Ah, well, it's probably the iron. You're probably needing iron in your body, right? Right. Um, because you are a vegetarian, correct? So it probably is more difficult for you to get your iron in your body. So your body is craving it. So it's, it's craving, which that's actually good. If you've already gotten to the point where you're craving healthier things, that means you've added healthier things into your life enough to where your body starts to say, your mind starts to tell you, wait, you need, you need some greens here instead of the potato salad. You need some, you need uh, some carrots and celery instead of the potato chips, right? Right. So, so that's good. But, you know, so adding in things instead of taking away. And then once you start doing that, then it's easier or less stressful when you do start to say, okay, now I'm ready to not drink any Coke during the day. Um, now I'm ready to... Uh, I, I don't know, not, not have birthday cake unless we're at a birthday party or something. And then I'm only going to take a couple bites of it and kind of setting yourself up for success too, in situations like that. Now I've read a lot and I'll, I'll see if you agree with this, but I've read a lot that the brain, I mean, we're kind of programmed to fight against exactly what you said, deprivation. And so they, they say, you shouldn't even say, I want to lose weight. You should say, I want to get healthy. Cause the minute you say lose the brain's like, uh Oh, I don't want to lose anything. Right. I want to hang on to it. Right. So do you, do you think that's true? That's real? Yeah, no. Um, especially the more that I start to understand like generational trauma, things like that, where, because our DNA actually starts to change with every generation. That's why when you go to the doctor, the doctor will say you, you have to give a family history. So is there heart disease in your family? Is there cancer in your family? Is there XYZ in the family? Because we know that there is a genetic link to physical ailments, right? Heart disease, blood pressure, things like that. We also know, especially the more that mental health has become destigmatized and stuff like that, that mental health things or mental illness things are also predisposed, right? So anxiety, depression, addictions, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, we know that there's a family linkage within all of those. And so our DNA starts to change with every generation, okay? So that's why if your great grandma had anxiety and probably pretty likely that you are going to have anxiety to some degree, depression to some degree. Now we have much more medicines and things like that. But when we look at the way that generational linkage kind of comes through with, okay, I lost my train of thought because that's what I do. <laughs> Never I start, you, know. you said DNA changes with every generation a little bit. Yes. Yes. What was, what was your original question? That, that we are programmed to think like, if I lose something, I'm going to fight against it. Yeah. Yeah. Of, of that, of that, of the losing. Right. And so when we think of our ancestors, I don't know, a hundred years ago, let's see, that would be what 1923. 
that may not be the best example. Let's go, let's go back 150 years when you were growing your own food, you were raising your own meat, and there would be long periods of time to where it would be kind of famine, right? You'd, you'd kind of bunker down and, and ration your food and stuff like that. That has linked through to now that we have food on every corner. Think about just the difference between when you were growing up and when your kids were growing up. When I was growing up, my mom went to the grocery store every two weeks and occasionally she would have some extra money to buy some chips and extra snacky things that we didn't normally have. And when that bag was gone, that bag was gone until the next time she went to the grocery store. Right. Right. What do you have in your house for your kids or your grandkids? When you know that your kids or your grandkids are coming, what do you do? You go to the store, you buy bread, you buy snacks, you buy gummy bears, you buy (laughs) fruit snacks, you buy granola bars. I mean, you go all out on snacks. Right. Right. And so we see on Facebook, all the moms last year, I thought it was funny whenever I seen a Facebook meme that said something like, I'm going to need you all to get your school stomachs on. (laughs) Right. Because we can't eat from the time we wake up until the time we go to bed. Every time we turn around, we hear the little kids saying, I want a snack. I want a snack. And if, if we think about we still have in our mindset, in our DNA is already programmed on those neurotransmitters that say, eat everything that's in sight to prepare yourself for famine. We're still living that way. Right. And we're not going to be in a famine. Right. So how do you, how do you switch that in the brain? You have to remind yourself, right? It's literally as much as taking that thought captive, right? And thinking to yourself, asking yourself, one, am I hungry? And that's where that drinking water thing kind of comes in. Because a lot of times our our, uh, ghrelin hormone will kick in when we're actually just thirsty. And ghrelin hormone is our hunger hormone. Leptin is our satiety hormone. And with all the processed foods and, and red dyes and, and all this stuff that's, that's in our food that we, for the most part, we really can't get away from all of it. It's, it's really at this point in our society, it's more about reducing the bad things. It's not really going to be about eliminating just because of GMOs. We, we have to overproduce our foods and stuff like that, unless you grow everything, which we may get to that point, but the, the soil is already kind of contaminated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're fighting against so many environmental toxins. We're fighting against hereditary toxins, right there or hereditary predispositions. And so it's really more about just reducing some of those effects. So it's really, so we think to ourselves, okay, am I hungry? No, get up and do some of those behavior modification type things. Get a big drink of water, go wash the dishes, go take a walk around the block, do something else. And then if you come back and you're still hungry, okay, eat something, eat something healthy or healthier, you know? So I've also read like a lot of the chemicals they add to our food, especially in the United States, 
like I was hearing, I was listening to one guy that said, if you look at Canadian ketchup, it's like three ingredients. And then you look at our ketchup and it's like 25 or whatever it is. He said, a lot of the ingredients that are added to our food are purposely addictive and they know it's addictive and it keeps you coming back. Like even, I, I don't want to say name brands, but a lot of the chips and, and snacks and, and the, the fattening things, and even the uh, artificial sugars are just as addictive as real sugar. So you, you're not winning by- Without any benefit. Sorry? There's no benefit to those. They're just fillers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the benefit to the food companies to get you to keep coming back. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's kind of scary. <laughs> exactly. But I mean, we think we're doing something good for ourselves by going the low fat, low artificial sugar. Yeah. But really we're not. We're just replacing one thing with something that may be even worse because some of these artificial sugars are now they're coming out saying they cause cancer, which we suspected, but didn't have proof, I guess. So, yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't want to get onto like some conspiracy train, but I can get on those all day long, but uh, there, there definitely is links to them putting those chemicals in our food that says you're going to be hungry in five minutes. So come eat more. Right. God, this makes me think of something else. Like we, if we have like, say a health crisis or some, some sort of crisis, it's a lot easier to make a change in our life. We, ha and maybe it's because we have the fear of, of whatever we're trying to avoid, but is there some way that we can use that to get ourselves motivated, so to speak? I don't know the, the proper word to make a change like now, you know what I'm saying? Does it, is it make sense? Or like long-term change to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Because I've had health scares and I've made big changes and I've stuck with them. Yeah. So how do I <laughs> utilize that? How do you go back to that? Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, and that's, and that's kind of part of it. We remember, but, but here's the thing. And, and this is one of my favorite quotes until the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. You will stay the same. Right. So when we do have these health crises and most of us are motivated day one, right? On Monday morning, after you've had a full belly on Sunday night, right? You just, you just cleaned out the entire refrigerator because tomorrow's the day, right? We do this all the time. And there are tons of books out there. I mean, there's all kinds of books. There's all kinds of people who have done this. There's all kinds of things, but it's like, we always do great on Monday morning, but when does it get really rough? On Wednesday, right? Usually Monday we're good. I, I got up, I, I grabbed my coffee, I went to the gym, I, I packed my snacks, I, I meal prepped over the weekend. This is, this is what we're going to do. That's another thing that we should always do, right, is prepare. Prepare for what our week is going to look like and not be like caught off guard. But, but Wednesday's whenever it's really tough. Right. Because now we've had two days of stressful work, of stressful kids, of stressful everything. It's like, OK, it's always the middle that's the hardest. So most of us can get motivated. Most of us are disciplined. This isn't about discipline. This isn't about motivation because most of us have that. It's about how do I do this long term? And it's that mindset shift where we have to go back and we have to remember how good we felt 
right? Whenever I was drinking all the water and I had all the, the right nutrients in my system and I wasn't real hungry because I had my, my pre-portioned or whatever stuff. And it's also kind of a little bit about knowing who you are and how you work best. I don't work great when I feel stressed. If it's like a last minute and it's like, I've run, 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 run. And all of a sudden I'm like, it's, it's six o'clock and I realize, oh my gosh, I don't have anything laid out for food or I didn't go to the grocery store or whatever. It's this quick five minute thing. The drive through is very, very convenient. So you have to almost make everything as convenient for yourself as possible. So meal prep, carrying out what, whatever you decide, carrot, celery, whatever, to always have to where you're not hungry. I, I went to a Christian university and I had to do a, a thing on the fruits of the spirit, like a, an assignment on the fruits of the spirit. So I chose self-control because <laughs> I was like, there's, there's lots of things that I've been really good with. Self-control is, is difficult for me. And um, so I chose that and it was really funny. So the day that I had finished that assignment, I had gone out to my car because I worked full time whenever I was in school and I had gone out to my car and I had started a diet at that point. I, I think I've been on a diet since I was eight years old. <laughs> I think I'm with you. Yeah, something. I was on something. Um, and I had gone out to my car and I had a flat tire and I had to get that car back in a in like an hour. I, I worked an hour away from work and, um, or from home. And I had to get the car back and I had this flat tire. I had to get it back because it was a rental. And I was like, Oh shoot, I have a flat tire. And immediately whenever I was in that stressful situation, and I remember so distinctly because I was doing this assignment, I craved chili cheese Fritos. It was an instantaneous. I see the flat tire. Oh my gosh. What am I going to do? I need to go grab some chili cheese Fritos. I've had very similar and I've noticed it more lately that when I'm stressed, I immediately think of some sort of food that I think is going to cure it. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not right. Right. I, I mean, and we, and logically, don't we know that? Oh yeah. But we are so habitual. That's why they talk about like, like set your environment up for success. Take, take, if you're on a diet, take the trash out of there. If you're, if you don't want to drink anymore, well, don't have alcohol in your house. Why would you, why would you tempt yourself with that? And be like, well, I just have to be disciplined. No, <laughs> there are people that I know that have been alcoholics, let's say, and they say, well, I'm going to have a drink just to test myself. Mm -hmm. And then they wind up down the same path they were before. And I'm like, why did you ever do that? Yeah. You've come so far and then yeah, it's all in the trash. Because we all think that this time it's going to be different, you know, and, and, it, and also that can also be biblical too. There's like two, two scriptures that I can think of or, or two stories in the Bible that I can think of. So one is in Exodus, right? When the Israelites have been taken out of slavery, they're out in the wilderness. Moses is leading them. They just watched the Red Sea part. They walked across on dry land and saw all the Egyptians pulled up underneath there. They're walking in two days. <laughs> 
they started grumbling and murmuring and saying, just take me back to Egypt. We had so much loving, but was so wonderful there. We're going to come out here and we're going to die because we don't have any water. And I, it, it was it was just this constant story of don't go back. And then Paul says in in one of the epistles in the New Testament, he says, do not return to a yoke of slavery. Why would you go back to the law? That's what he was referring to at that point. We have been set free. Don't return to a yoke of slavery. And so it's just, this is, this is an age old thing. We're thinking we're missing out. Right. Satan or, or whatever you want to refer as, as the evil side or whatever, or the bad side or bad thoughts or whatever comes in and tells us, uh, you could do it one more time. Just this once isn't going to hurt. I, I mean, don't, don't buy into that one more timeline. Right. Because that's all it is. And so we have to remember that there was a reason why we wanted to stop. In your situation, I'm in pain. I'm inflamed. I I know. I know that I know that I know that I know. I, I have had all of the proof. I've read all of the articles. I've had every one of my friends tell me you're going to feel so much better. I have evidence in my own life that I feel better when I don't put that crap in my body. And yet here I am in the junk food aisle or in the whatever, buying, buying the batch of cookies or, or whatever is your quote unquote drug of choice, right? <laughs> it's like, it's, this ain't doing my body any good, but, but here I go. I'm going to fill it up in there anyway. Right. And I don't know if it's the association to comfort, like we were just saying, when you get stressed, we immediately think of a food or food groups that that are going to, we think relieve it, or if it's the fear of missing out, because I've made, I gave up meat for health reasons. I gave up pop 10 years ago, soda, whatever you want to call it 10 years ago. I have stuck to those. Mm -hmm. And, but yet I am struggling (laughs) with the anti-inflammatory. So it's like, I know I need it. My body's telling me in every way possible, you have to stop. Mm -hmm. You have to reduce this inflammation, but yet Mm -hmm. here I am. I know it. Like you said, mentally, I have all the reasons I know it, but I just don't take action. And I, the difference between knowledge and and we are in a knowledge rich society, right? Right. There is, there is no excuse for lack of knowledge. We have it. I've got a phone. I've got an iPad at, at any given time I can Google, right. What are the highest inflammation foods out there and sugar is number one right right you don't even have to be eloquent for eagle it's like whatever jumbled stuff comes i mean i've i've put in weird things in google and it answers my question right it it's like it reads my mind so we are in a knowledge-rich society has nothing to do with knowledge right the bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge right? Isn't that, isn't that the scripture or is it lack of wisdom? I'm not sure. I thought wisdom, but I could be wrong. It should be wisdom. Let me see my, look, I'm Googling my people. This is, this is my, uh, for anybody who wonders why I'm so smart. This is why my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge because thou hast rejected knowledge. Um, But, and that's in Hosea four, six, it all says knowledge, but 
I don't think it has anything to do with knowledge. I think it has more to do with wisdom because knowledge is the, the facts, right? This is, these are factual things. There's, there's no excuse really for us in, in 2023 to say, well, I didn't know that. Right. <laughs> right. Very true. I mean, little kids, my, my grand, my, my granddaughter, they, they must be teaching this stuff in school because she'll come up and she'll say, is this healthy? That that's, that's their words that they use. Is this healthy? And she'll be talking about an apple or something. I'm like, yeah, that's healthy. And then she'll say, she'll look at something else that I'm eating or she's eating. And she'll say, this isn't as healthy as an apple. <laughs> right. So they're already starting to kind of teach our kids better. They didn't have to, they, they taught us the, the food pyramid when we were in school, but I don't know that they necessarily had to. I mean, we just ate the four or five food groups. Right. I mean, that's, that's what we kind of did. We didn't have the junk, right? That didn't really start until my kids and then my grandkids are doing better. But so it's, it's taking that knowledge and applying it in our life, which is wisdom. And so knowing that donuts every morning is bad does not stop us from eating donuts every morning, right? right? Because we are creatures of habit. And so if my practice is to get up every morning, and I, and I know that this is true, I get up every morning and I pour a cup of coffee, I get a big 24 ounces of water, and then I come into my office and that's whenever I have my quiet time and I read and stuff. I drink all of my water, I drink my coffee, then I go get in the shower. That is my habit. Then I get on my app, my Starbucks app, <laughs> and I order my iced Americano <laughs> with an extra shot of coffee, right? And I drive through Starbucks and I pick it up and I go to work. And I have my three, I mean, my, my clients will look at me and they're like, my gosh, what do you do all day? Just go to the bathroom because I'll have like three drinks on my counter or on my desk. And I've got my, my snacks and stuff already in my bag because I have to set myself up, but that's my habit. And when I don't go through Starbucks and get my coffee, I'm lost, right? Because the routine is thrown off or? It's my routine, right? If I can't do the things that I always do, like let's say I would happen to wake up late. I haven't woken up late ever, but let's say I would. And and I'm having to rush around and everything like that. I would be a frantic mess most of the day, right? Until I would stop myself, right? And that's that taking that thought captive. I could stop getting my iced Americano every morning if I told myself, we're not getting the iced Americano today, <laughs> right? Right. But I have to, I have to tell myself it's taking that thought captive. So when you stop drinking sugar, there was a reason why you stopped drinking pop. And it was probably really hard in the beginning. It was. You felt like you were missing something, but pop is, is, I don't want to say easy. None of this is easy. It's simple. It's not easy. Pop is simple because it's like, well, I can just go grab water instead, right? So I can replace them. Some of the other things are more difficult. And 
you can chug along for a while. Cause like you said, you stopped eating meat. You were vegan for a while. You turned to vegetarian. You don't eat the meat. You may or may not be missing it, but if you would eat it, I, it would probably be an almost instantaneous <laughs> craving, <laughs> right? It probably would. And, and there's times that I, I'm debating whether I need to eat meat again or not, but yeah, it's, it, but I think you also, you form these associations. Like I almost think that if I ate meat, it would make me sick to my stomach mm. and it's just a mental thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's because I haven't had it in 10 years Yeah, and, and I don't know what would happen if I did eat it. Yeah. You know what I, it, it's crazy, but mm-hmm. right. it's just the stuff you think. But, you know, it's also, it also kind of comes into that scarcity mindset though too, right? Right. So there are certain things that I don't eat because it just, it, it just throws my system into a tailspin, right? I do not eat pasta. Oh, really? Every time I eat pasta, even if I have one bite of pasta, I am doubled over in excruciating pain for hours. So guess what? I don't eat <laughs> pasta. Pasta. I, I just, I don't eat it. That, that alone is enough. However, and it's the gluten that's in pasta. So I'm very gluten insensitive, which like half the country is right now anyway, but cheese crackers. Oh, I'll risk a cheese cracker. <laughs> <laughs> like cheese it's right. Right. Cause I'm like, I know this is probably gonna make me sick, <laughs> but it doesn't make me as sick as the pasta. So I'll risk it. Now I'm starting to get to the point to where I itch. Like that's how bad my gluten insensitivity is getting. And I'm like, how many Benadryls do I have? (laughs) Right? Because we'll we'll find through we'll fight through some of that stuff, right? But pasta, nope, ain't gonna do it. I can eat soft serve ice cream. It does the same thing to me, but I can eat a hard ice cream. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing what you, you learn and the lengths you go to that you figure out, right? It's like, oh man, I can't do that. But let me see if I can do this. Right. We love to tow that line. We do. It, whenever I used to do addiction groups, I used to tell, um, I always worked mostly with women and I'd always tell my girls, I'd be like, listen, I want you to be so far away from that line that if you fall down fall forward, you still aren't going to cross it. Right. And in the beginning, you almost kind of have to encase yourself so much when you're, when you're making those changes, but as a society, especially for me, I I have a very rebellious spirit. So I want to do that line and I want to see how far over that line I can get. And so again, it kind of comes back with how do you work best? Do you work best with just eliminating or do you, are you more uh, gentle with yourself of being like, you know what? I don't have to eliminate pop forever. I'm just going to eliminate it today. I don't have to never eat a piece of cake. I'm just not going to eat it today. And almost kind of always coming back to that one day at a time, kind of a mindset when you're making those behavior changes. Okay. And then another big thing with, with behavior changes is getting those accountability people around you, people that you will listen to. My my husband is wonderful in a lot of areas, but sometimes he's not great with keeping me motivated, right? Because his way of motivation sometimes is just to yell. <laughs> no, maybe not yell. 
<laughs> but you know, maybe his sarcasm or, oh, you're going to eat that? You really think you need that? I'm like, yeah, tell me again. <laughs> I'm going to eat five, right? So, I mean, that also has to go back to, to who you are. So, so finding those accountability people or maybe some people who are doing it with you, yeah. that's always helpful too. I don't, you don't find that many people that want to give up sugar though. So, and my husband's not one of them. He doesn't want to give it up. Right. <laughs> That's the reason I went from vegan to vegetarian is because my family, they all eat a regular American diet and they'd be like, well, we can't go here because of mom or we can't do this. Because mm-hmm. After a while you you're like, okay, whatever. And like the leper, right? Like we can do whatever you want. Exactly. So you kind of give in and that's, that is a big reason I went back to vegetarian, but I know I felt a hundred times better as a vegan. Yeah. And it's because vegan is much more limiting uh, as far as your food choices than, than even vegetarian. And I do know I felt better, but yet I'm very resistant to going back. So it's, it's an interesting to, to observe yourself, to, to, to kind of go into that third person and say, okay, look at what I'm doing and why. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that 500 foot view, right? If I, if I'm up here and I can look down when I hear you say like, well, maybe I'll just go back to vegan. And I'm like, okay, why are we going to such a restrictive type thing? Right. Why not, you know, just say, okay, what foods fuel my body right because you're you're going back to that um deprivation mindset go to the other side of that mindset where do i work the best right right well i work the best when um i have fiber in my diet um i i don't know how you got your protein and stuff like that. But that's the other thing. You got to make sure that you have enough protein in your diet. Vegan is really, I I've heard, I've never done vegan. I am, I am a carnivore for through and through. Like I, I could, I, I thought about doing the vegan or <laughs> a couple of times. I'm like, that ain't going to work for me. And it, yeah, it absolutely doesn't. And I get that Yeah, yeah. for some people, but absolutely. Like you said, you have to know yourself and, and, and there's times where I think, well, if I, if I eliminate sugar, I mean, you start eliminating so much Mm -hmm. that that's when it feels very, and I think that's why I'm resistant right? because I'm like, man, I don't want to give up even more when it wouldn't hurt me to do that physically, but mentally it's just, it's so, it seems so depriving that I, I'm just resistant. I'm like, I don't want to give up one more thing. Right. Right. So, so. So like I said, I don't know whether we were recording yet or not, but add something. Yeah. Get, get out of the mindset that I'm taking away and I'm going to add not having to, to, to uh, do, I don't know, 40 yoga stretches before I can start moving for the day because my body feels like the tendia, right? <laughs> so add something to, to your diet, broccoli. A salad. I, I don't know what you normally eat for breakfast, but maybe your routine starts with like, okay, oatmeal with honey instead of the sugar, right? Or just getting all of the sugar in the raw. Right. Which I don't I don't know that we can do that here. I don't know. I don't I don't know what the options are. But you know, 
eating eating local grown honey actually helps with our allergies. <laughs> so you can kind of start killing a couple of birds with one stone, right? I have heard that, yeah. But getting out of that that mindset, and and honestly, I I pretty much noticed whenever I did I did up to up to via. Um, a lot of people have probably heard of it. And I was a coach there for a while. Um, still a great program, still a wonderful way to get. And I, and I still eat a lot of the, the, the fuelings is what's called with Optavia. Um, <clears throat> and, and I still kind of follow that eating every three hours type thing in, in my diet and, and really kind of keeping that schedule because my body rejects a lot of the processed foods and the sugars and all of that kind of stuff. And I just feel better. And so I know whenever I do that, that I can jump up out of bed. I feel refreshed. I sleep better. My body doesn't hurt. I, I carry a lot of my tension and stuff because I sit most of the time in my hips and my neck from, from um, typing and stuff like that. And I notice I feel so much better, but that will not keep long-term because within about three days, you stop hurting. <laughs> you just, it's amazing. It's like the body completely detoxifies in three days, all that junk, but just, it works it out. And you're like, okay, so you'll forget. You'll, you'll forget very easily. <laughs> wow. That's a, it's kind of like the classic where you hear like a schizophrenic. I've heard many of them. Mm -hmm. They start feeling so good on their medicine. Absolutely. That then they start thinking they don't need it. Yeah. yeah and they quit taking it. I mean, it's the same concept. It, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. I take a Lexapro, an SSRI, uh, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor. I have a lot of um, compulsive behaviors. It's anxiety related which is genetic related, a uh, long line of anxiety. I was going to be the one that was not anxious. Okay. <laughs> so I would have never said that I twirl my hair all the time because I'm anxious. I would say, no, that's a self-soothing technique. It helps me to concentrate. It helps me to stay focused. Right. But my hair is everywhere. Like if there was ever a crime scene, I'm, I'm probably going to be Hold in. That's why I won't get my DNA tested because I'm like, my DNA is everywhere. Like, air <laughs> everywhere. So no, I'm not getting a DNA test. Thank you very much. I know, conspiracy. It's my paranoia. It's fine. Hey, I'm with you. <laughs> I take my, my Lexapro, my Malfibrin. Anyway, but what do we do? We start to feel better. And so we're like, oh, I probably don't need it now. And then all of a sudden you stop taking it. I've had genetic high blood pressure since I was 34 years old does not change diet. It doesn't change with exercise. It is, I am genetically predisposed to high blood pressure. If I stop taking my blood pressure medicine and I, and I've done it periodically because my go into the doctor, it's 114 over 70. Every time I go in, they're like, Oh, your blood pressure is lower. I'm like, yeah, I'm taking my blood pressure medicine. I just had this conversation, but like, I wonder if you could go off of it. And I'm like, no, I don't think I can. I've done it <laughs> in three days. My blood pressure will be 180 over a hundred. Oh my gosh. I don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Well, and especially if you've already proven it to yourself multiple times, why do it again? Yeah, absolutely. It's like, why, 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 why at this point? You know? Yeah. 
why put your body through that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so but yeah so there's there's it, it kind of goes back and and I think that that is one of the benefits when we get older because we do start to know how best our body reacts to certain things just like I said pasta ain't even gonna try it I'm doubled over in pain no reason to it's not a big big deal in my life but you know I'll test those waters with things that I like <laughs> cheese crackers I don't know maybe this time it'll be different if I eat those cheese crackers <laughs> yeah I, I'm with you I've done that before myself yeah yeah so it's it's starting to know what where our body works best and get out of the scarcity mindset, the limiting mindset, and start focusing on what you'll gain. Oh my gosh, I can get down on the floor and pay, play with my grandkids. I can go out in the backyard and, and toss a ball. I can, you know, take take a walk. You know, now I'm I'm into paddle boarding and I'm into, you know, trapeze yoga and, you know, finding things that I enjoy doing, you know. And people will drive by my campsite and stuff and be like, what in the world are you doing? Because I'm like hanging upside down in my trapeze. I think that's cool. I'm like, you want to try? No. No? I don't want to try that, they'll say. (laughs) (laughs) I think it looks neat. Yeah. But it's expensive when you look up the the equipment. I've looked it up, but I was like, ouch, I can't do that. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the other thing. Like, Like, I always recommend, like, try it first. Like my big thing was, uh, here in Kokomo, Carmen Lawson, Larson, Lawson, somebody, I can't think of her last name. God love her. But she does stand up paddleboard yoga out on the reservoir. We're in, we're in Kokomo, Indiana. Okay. So I, I tried it there first. Cause I'm like, listen, I'm not going to spend two, $300 on this board. If it's just going to sit there. You know, I'm not going to do that. So I, I tried it there first and I was like, nope, I can do it and I can get up on it. And we have a couple of lessons. I'm, I'm one on having guided lessons. YouTube is wonderful too, but you know, then you can go out and learn things. The trapeze yoga, the same thing. She does it um, a couple times a week uh, in Kokomo. I'm giving her a plug. This is the same lady? Yeah. Does the trapeze yoga? Yes, yes, yes. I'll, I'll find it and link it to where you can okay. link her if you want to. But sure. She, she'd probably enjoy that. <laughs> she's, she's wonderful. And there's, there's a host of things that you can do. And so instead of, again, oh gosh, I've got to eliminate one more thing. I'm never going to have sugar again. No, just be like, I'm not going to have it today. If I want something sweet and, and your taste buds do change. That is the other thing that I want. I want people to know, like, like you will stop craving certain things if you stop putting it in your body. Right. That's very true. You know, you probably don't even think about a big old T-bone steak anymore. I really don't. Uh, and I don't think of pop that much. Yeah. I, and I used to be, I literally was addicted. I had to go get my diet. I was switched. I never thought I could switch to diet Coke. I did. And then I thought I can never give this up because I had to go get my diet Coke before work. Kind of like your Starbucks. Yeah. And then I would sip on it all day and then get another diet, but I did. And I don't even, and once in a while, every few years, I'll take a sip of one of my kids or something. I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. yeah. it doesn't even taste what I remember. <laughs> it's like, right. So 
Very true. And you're like, why, why was that something I needed to have every day? Yeah. <laughs> so for our listeners, I mean, you've lost a ton of weight, right? You've lost a lot. I have. I've, I've lost um, 60 pounds. Which is absolutely amazing. Congratulations. And I've kept it off. So what, what is the biggest single decisive thing for you? Do you think, or is there one thing, or was it a combination of, of many that led you to that result? you've been able to maintain it well like I said I I had been on a diet since I was probably eight years old and most of that time I did not need to be on a diet exactly it's just people telling you right I mean you look back through the pictures and you're like where did this even come from but that was in the age of whenever fat-free everything started coming out that's you know 1982 83 hamburger helper was helping all of the the single moms be able to work and and feed their children on on a pound of hamburger meat a week and stuff like that and so it was it was the age of processed foods that started to come around and so fat free everything and we just got fatter and fatter and fatter and and um i got to a point i was let's see about 45 and tore my acl um, cause I've always worked out. I've worked out since I was 15 years old. That's, that's never been, oh, wow. that's never been an issue for me. I've always been very active, but I had gone through in 2020. Um, well, it was actually 2019. My husband and I had, had bought a house and, um, I just started getting so inflamed. Now I wasn't eating well. It was 2020. Dear God, we remember that the whole world started on fire and I was working through that whole time and learning new things, a very stressful time. So I wasn't eating great, but also I believe that there was an environmental toxin that may or may not have been um, because it was an all limestone house and there is some linkage and I don't know all the research, so I'm not going to get in too much, but there is some research that's going on about limestone and we live on limestone in Indiana and that it pulls out certain elements in our body. Wow. All I know is that whenever I moved out of that house in 2021, I started feeling better, but there was also a lot of other things that started happening about that same time as well. So was it just that, or was that everything? I think it was a combination of everything and really up to be a really is a good program. So if a coach or somebody like that, yes, absolutely. It is a great program to kind of get you started and start changing your mindset because it does come with educational materials and it comes with like a life book, they call it, where you can journal your thoughts and learn your triggers and stuff like that. Um, and you can get that without getting the, the food, right? That's, that's a, very minor component of it. It also has the health coach and stuff like that that goes along with it. So it, it's a great program. But in doing all of that, I learned how to eat. I learned what my body really needs. Now, the one thing that was lacking uh, while I was in the, the weight loss phase of that was my protein, which uh, I went in my, my calcium and my protein were low. So I had to add more protein in my diet, probably because I, I work out and stuff like that. But um, so you kind of have to watch that. Right. But, you know, just, just kind of learning how to eat, learning to, to, um, stop, uh, there, there's this wonderful cognitive behavioral therapy tool that they use that's called stop challenge choose. So you kind of, before you go to eat something, you stop and you ask yourself, is this 
going to promote my why, right? Which is why am I doing this? And it can't just be about weight loss because you'll lose the weight. That's, that's not, it's pretty much foolproof to lose it. But what am I going to do long-term? I don't want to gain this back. I don't want to gain more. And I, and I want to feel good. So your why, as far as like, I want to be able to play out in the yard. I want to be able to paddleboard or, or do yoga or, or whatever the things I want to travel. I want to hike. I want to do things that I haven't been able to do um, and feel good about it. I want to be able to lift my shoulder. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's where I'm at. <laughs> You know, that would be a really good one. Like, yep. Want to be able to lift this shoulder again. Be real nice to be able to raise my hands. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's a joint we take very much for granted. And when it's not working, you realize how much you use it. So yeah, absolutely. Anything, anytime something we, we, we lose something just like whenever I tore my ACL, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize I used my legs so much. <laughs> exactly. It's true though. We just take it for granted when it's working properly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, so, so you have to get your why and then you challenge it. Am I, am I willing to do this? Um, I, I made the reference to chili cheese Fritos and whenever I would do, do addiction groups, it was amazing. Like they would go, all of my clients would go to the, it was a coffee shop, but they had all kinds of candies and stuff and they'd get suckers and they'd get, uh, Starburst and they'd get Jolly Ranchers and they'd get all of this candy and um, they would come in and they would be like, wait, I've just gained 10 pounds in a week. And I'm like, well, you probably needed to gain the weight. However, um, just ask yourself and then make the choice, right? Because we are great about rationalizing our behavior. I distinctly remember a client coming in and she was like, Rita, I am smoking like a pack of cigarettes a day. And I'm like, okay. And she's like, but at least it's not heroin. <laughs> and I said, well, wait a minute. Right. They're both bad. <laughs> don't, don't minimize the cigarettes just because it's not, you're not going to lose your children over smoking a cigarette, right? It, it's, it's don't justify and rationalize your behavior. Those are defense mechanisms that we love, right? Because I can rationalize and be like, well, at least it's not heroin. Or I can compare and be like, yeah, I'm smoking a pack of cigarettes, but Susie over there, she's smoking two packs of cigarettes. I ain't that bad, right? Or we will you know, just, just whatever. And it's like, no, just make the choice. And if you choose to do it, don't beat yourself up because it's that shame. It's that voice in our head that just is like, oh my gosh, you're just so undisciplined. What is wrong with you? You just spent all this money on this diet and, and now you're just ruining it. And then what are we going to do? Well, now I'm going to be depressed and I'm going to sit on the couch and I'm going to grab my bags a box of cheese crackers and I'm going to eat the box of cheese crackers and watch Hallmark movies or what I normally do is I call them murder death kill shows right so I'll be watching snapped or that's my husband or deadly women or something like that <laughs> you know and and getting more and more down into the dumps that old computer adage of garbage in garbage out right and so it's like no just if you make the choice make it it's fine make the choice and then don't beat yourself up over whatever choice it is also I don't know that you have to get real haughty about it either because what do we do when we when we find something that works or we've had some success in something <laughs> we want to go and tell everybody else why they can't 
<laughs> or 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 what they should be doing, right? We are we are great shutters. Oh no, you should just do this, or you should just eliminate meat, or you should just do and it's like, well, no, because not everything's gonna work for everybody. Exactly. I can't say I've never done that. I've never tried to push what I'm doing on anybody else because I feel like I've never proven it fully. I mean, yeah, I, I've lasted, but I haven't cured my issues. You know what I mean? So I, I don't preach it to anybody else. It's just just like like you're saying, I don't want someone else to tell me you know, you, you have to do this. And yeah, right, right. And, and some people do really well with that motivation. That's another thing that's really good for you to understand, right? My husband, one of the reasons why he does the motivation the way he does is because that works for him. He was always in sports. He always had coaches that would yell and, and really motivate that way and, and do that kind of thing. So that works for him. So it's knowing who you are. There's, there's lots of people that want to be like, like yelled at to do one more rep, do, do five more squats or, or whatever. I'm like, no, tell me how many I have to do up front so I can set my mind to it. Right. <laughs> but it's, it's knowing who you are. So, so you need to find, I do recommend always though, accountability, right? Finding that person that you can call and be like, okay, I, I, I really want to eat these gummy bears right now, but I know it's not going to help me. So I'm going to talk to you while I walk around the block. So I don't eat them, you know, whatever. It makes me laugh because my mom and I, I had this week off. So I took a shopping day yesterday with my mom and well, we had some uh, medical stuff we had to do early and then we went shopping and we've both been trying to, trying to avoid sugar. It's a very big thing for both of us as far as we can't. So yesterday she's like, right. Hey, if we're going to be bad, let's be really bad. <laughs> she, she starts buying this candy and I'm like, Oh my gosh, mom, this is horrible. <laughs> you know? So that's my accountability. We'll eat it all before we, we won't take it into the house. We'll eat it all first. <laughs> exactly. Well, if we eat it all now, then we're, we're Start again tomorrow. I love mom dearly, but I need a different accountability partner. Yeah, she kind of sounds like she's an enabler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but she she can bestow tremendous willpower, for lack of a better word, if she wants to. But uh, mm -hmm. we all can. Yeah, we all can, and we all have that ability, right? And and I re really do wish that it was just a matter of behavior modification right? Because I can change my behavior and all of those things are necessary, but it's not going to induce long-term maintenance Exactly, because it has to be a heart change. So we take that behavior modification, adding in the water, eliminating this, reducing some of that, eating more vegetables, doing, taking walks, doing things that we enjoy or whatever we, we guess we want to instill those. But to get to a real heart change, what what is that heart change? What's that why? Well, I I I'm I'm not even 50 yet. I figure that I'm probably going to work at least another 20 years. And that's gonna put me at what, 68 years old, 69 years old. If I feel this bad now, if with the inflammation and everything. I won't make it. 
Right. I, I look at the genetic components too. I look at my mom and her health issues. I look at her mom and her health issues. And one, one of the biggest things, and it, it always sticks to me, but my grandmother, my mother's mother, was dying from the time she was 15 years old until she died at 77. I, I mean, she just, she just was, she was in so much pain. She had rheumatoid arthritis. She was in so much pain. She had had a stroke at like 40. She had a heart attack. She, she had many, 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 many health issues. And she was just kind of miserable for 20 years. And I've kind of watched my mom kind of follow that with her health issues. And, and she pushes herself. She does as she pushes herself. She tries to get out and walk, but she's in a lot of pain. And I know that most of it is her diet. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) I I think food is the true medicine. I mean, the right food. Mm -hmm. It's like any type of a change. One, you have to realize you need a change. Right. Right. And then two setting yourself up for success. So eliminating all of it in pre-planning in your head. I, I talk a lot about this, even with like communication coaching and stuff that I do with, with married couples, like set a time weekly that y'all sit down together and go over your meal planning for the week, go over any outliers that are going to be happening, set up your schedule, especially if you have little kids and they have 40 different activities set that up, set up who's going to be cooking, who's going to be picking up the kids and stuff and setting that up one day a week. Not only does that promote intimacy and communication because you're, you, you've set this time together to do this, but it also kind of sets up your week. You already know what, what's going on that way. When there are those additional stressors that are going to come in, because guess what they do? we're not just trying to, to manage food and our basic necessities that's already taken care of. Right. And then it's much easier to kind of roll with the punches when that other stressful stuff comes down. I I think you've got the key there. Yeah, no. I I mean, whenever I heard somebody talk about that, I'm like, gosh, why didn't I do that? Whenever we were raising our kids, we were just screaming at each other all the time. You know, I thought you had the kids. We left our kid at the baseball field once because each of us thought the other one had him. Uh-huh. Thankfully, he hadn't gotten out of the treat line yet. So he didn't know he was left at the uh-huh. Have you since told him? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's funny. God love him. We were both at home. We're like, where's Matthew? And we're like, oh, gosh, he's still at the ball field. Uh-huh. Started back over there. But yeah, those were. Those were those crazy times that um, a lot of that stress could have been reduced. Exactly. If we knew what was happening in our lives ahead of time. But yeah. And then what's your why? Get that. And then using those cognitive behavioral skills of like stopping. Wait a minute. I'm getting ready to eat this cake. Or, or I'm with my mom and we're at the candy store at the outlet mall, right? And she's like, oh my gosh, we got to have the malt milk balls and we got to have the broth and we got I mean, when can you buy bulk candy except for when you're here? So so you're getting all these things. And so when you're doing that, then you can say to yourself, well, stop. If I buy this, then it's going to be around. And then I'm going to be triggered or tempted to eat this. 
I'd probably be okay with maybe two, I don't know, butterscotches or something. So I'll just get two butterscotches because <laughs> that's what I really want right now. And I'm not going to beat myself up for eating them. And I'll drink a big glass of water with it to kind of detox myself or whatever. I mean, I don't know that that works, but you know, it might, who knows? <laughs> it might make you feel more full at least after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then we're not in that defeated attitude. Right. And, and honestly, if you can walk away for 20 minutes or maybe a thing could be like, you know what, let's take a walk around the outlet or wherever you guys were at. Let's take a walk. If we still want it before we leave, we'll stop and get it then. Right. Yeah. And I think another, uh, another association a lot of us have is like my mother-in-law, especially showed love with food Yeah, and, and she'd always make it your favorite or yes, whatever. And so you start making that association that, Hey, I love my kids. So I'm going to give them all their, I'm, I'm horrible about that. Yes. And, and then if you struggle with self-love, what do you do? Well, Hey, <laughs> I'm going to love on myself with these chili cheese <laughs> Fritos. Or, yeah. Fritos. That's right. Absolutely. I'm going to, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That is one thing like, like my, I, I am not necessarily food motivated, like not rich foods and stuff. My husband, he comes from a big Italian family everything was love. I mean, my mother-in-law, before she died, she could tell us on certain vacations, what I ordered Oh, wow. 10 years. Yes. What I ordered, how I liked it, what sauce I had with it. And I'm like, wow. Wow. Yes. But she, I mean, that's, that was her thing. She was like, oh, she's going to love this. Right. <laughs> well, as we kind of wrap up for today, cause I know I've, I've used a lot of your time. I, I want to thank you so much. I, I appreciate all your wisdom and knowledge and experience, but is there anything else that we've left out that you want to add for the listeners? Or do you think we've covered pretty much? The biggest thing I just want to say kind of goes back to that. Subject. Please just give yourself a break. Don't beat yourself up over every little stupid decisions that we make, right? Ask yourself, am I, am I going to do this? Okay, fine. I'm going to do it. And just because life is, is about falling down, right? I've learned way more. So have you, so is our audience. I've learned way more by my failures than I ever did any of my successes. Very true. We don't go around looking for a found dog. (laughs) (laughs) Very true. Right? We're only notifying our neighbors and stuff that if my dog is lost, I don't go next door and say, hey, do you guys know that I haven't lost my dog today? (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's only when we're failing or, or when we have a problem that we start to, to notice. And then we just want to beat ourselves up. Oh my gosh. I can't believe I left the door open and let my dog out. How could I be so stupid? Oh, right. And we always focus on those failures and not on, on the wins that we have. Like, Hey, I chose not to eat the cake today. We don't celebrate that. <laughs> no, I mean, I haven't had cake in gosh. I don't know when the last time I had cake was like, wow. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. I know. (laughs) I know. Now don't ask me about the um, chocolate covered espresso beans that we just bought in bulk the other day at the candy store. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. 
Yes. One is many and a thousand is never enough, right? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for today. I greatly appreciate it. And I'm sure our listeners do too. Well, hopefully, hopefully you learned something. I don't, I don't. Absolutely. Yeah. Perfect. We always learn, I think. So. All right, Michelle, thank you so much for having me on. I appreciate it. Thank you. As we wrap up today's episode, I hope Rita sharing her journey and her wisdom has helped you in some way. I was fascinated to hear the official stages of change that we all go through, whether we realize it or not. However, I think one of the biggest things that caught my attention was Rita pointing out that every change doesn't have to be all or nothing. I know this, I've known it for quite a while, but I think I need the constant reminders as I tend to think along those lines. Additionally, I also had an aha moment when she pointed out the notion of living in a scarcity mindset, because I know from all my studies that the human brain is wired to focus on not losing things. So when you start to think of living in scarcity, your subconscious will do everything it can in its power to make sure that you aren't doing without, even if you want to do without. And I definitely want my subconscious working on my side, not against me. So that is something that I definitely need to focus on going forth. I'd like to know what stood out to you. I'd love to hear from you, as I'm sure Rita would as well. Drop us a comment. We'd love to know what you're thinking. As always, I hope this episode helps at least one person. And with that, I hope you have a blessed week, my friend. Thank you for listening to The Beauty in the Mess. If you enjoyed what you heard, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on your favorite pod player. If you have any questions or comments, any topic ideas you would like to hear about, or you think you would be a great guest on the show, you can reach me directly at thebeautyinthemess.com. Thanks for listening. 